Hello and welcome to the She Sells 2 podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. Hello everyone, Jenny here. Welcome to the first ever She Sells 2 podcast episode. In this episode, I meet with my colleagues at Slack, Samantha and Maleka, to talk about the challenges and advantages that comes with moving across the Atlantic to start a career in sales. I hope you all enjoy it. And as always, for more, follow us on Instagram under She Sells 2 today. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, this is the first actual podcast recording for She Sells 2. So I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Um, I wanted to introduce you, but I was actually thinking it would be better if you introduce yourselves. So who do we have here? I'll start. Um, my name is Samantha Carr, and I am a business development representative at Slack. I am originally from the UK, shout out to Wales, and now living in Toronto. Cool. And my name is Malika Olayewala. I am also a business development representative at Slack on the uh, Large Enterprise East team from the UK originally as well, shout out London, and also living now in Toronto. Cool. Thank you so much for doing that. And also, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, like I, it's, um, it's funny because like, we obviously all three met here because we moved from Europe to Toronto. And it's, I moving over here did not expect to meet anyone from Europe. Like, mm. did you feel the same before moving over or did you know about a lot of people? Mm. So I guess my spoiler is I I did know a few people from uh, university in Scotland who were from Toronto. So I knew that there were like one or two Europeans at the very least in Toronto. But you're right, like you walk down the street. I mean, if you just told me that I was going to be working with Malika before I joined, I wouldn't have believed you. Like it's, it's funny how prevalent... The, the European vibes, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the same or did you? Yeah, pretty much. I feel like I didn't know anyone moving here, so I hadn't got, I guess, a good awareness of how many Europeans were here or weren't. But yeah. um, I sus- I knew there were quite a few Europeans here just because I know that my the visa that I'm on is quite popular for the UK mm-hmm. yeah. and other countries in Europe, but didn't expect it to be so concentrated that we'd have them, like more than one in the same office, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. So you think yeah. everyone's like skiing or something on that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, on the at Whistler and mm-hmm. working on yeah, seasonal work. But no, there's a lot of people in the tech community from the UK. Yeah. As well. uh, which is really cool. And like, like, just on that, actually, like, how did you guys get into tech? Was it like you fell upon it or was it like, oh, I want to get into the tech sector or like, how did that come to be? So it it's a little bit of falling into it for sure. Um, I have a, a politics background, so I did politics um, and international relations at university in the UK, and kind of came out of university not necessarily knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Classic story. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that I wanted to be in, in a people, customer, or prospect facing role, and I guess always knew that I had a bit of the gift of the gab. So that was kind of like easy to at least narrow down my choices. Yeah. And then I 
I went to an agency, a recruitment agency, literally the week after I graduated and signed up for any role that seemed kind of relevant to those skills. And literally the first job that I interviewed for was a um, graduate scheme for BDRs um, in a SaaS company. Cool. So yeah, so it was pretty random at the yeah. time. It felt very random. Um, but yeah, I've been there, been in, this, in a similar role at different companies ever since. Cool. And it felt like right from the start? Like it was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. It definitely has been a journey, I feel like. At first it was kind of like, well, I guess I'll do this for a while and see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the company that I worked at was really great. So that was a nice, comfortable way to start. And um, because it's a graduate scheme, it was really focused on coaching and training from scratch. So yeah. none of us had had sales experience, which was a nice entry into the world, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely wasn't something that I thought I'd stay with for as long as I have. So it's definitely gotten more, um, it it's felt more like the right path as I've kind of gone more and more on the journey. And is it the same, like a similar story for you or, or um, I think more of a, a pivot than a fall, only in the sense that I, so I was in publishing prior to uh, tech, also in a sales role and like Toronto is such a, like a tech city and it's, it's quite exciting here, I think. Um, so with that in mind, I kind of decided to explore my options and Luckily, bounce luck. That's casual cool. plug. Yeah. <laughs> and like, when it comes to, because you both like sound like you were just like fairly easy to like live in Europe and move over here. Was that an easy transition? Like, was it, did you have to go for like visa applications and work permits? And like, how long was that process? Like, what was the toughest challenge there? Yeah. So uh, mine was, mine was pretty much like the fairy tale story of moving abroad from a visa perspective. Like yeah. It was really easy. I actually thought it was going to be a lot harder than it was. Mm -hmm. I learned about the um, program that I, I immigrated on, which was called International Experience Canada, through just like searching on blogs and like YouTube and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And after I decided that I wanted to move to Toronto and I, it was basically a lottery system, but I thought like it was going to be like, oh, what are the odds of me actually getting picked? And I got picked like two weeks after entering the pool. <laughs> so that was really convenient. Um, and then the process following that is really simple to just like, you know, pl plug and play all of your yeah. information to get that visa set up. So I thankfully, again, I think it was a bit almost lucky in, in a lot of ways, um, got my visa a few weeks after got my sorry invitation for my visa a few weeks after I applied for it and then I moved six months after that so cool. it's pretty pretty seamless for me yeah Toronto wanted you yeah <laughs> <meant to> <laughs> sounds like it uh, I did the same visa as Malika that I see work holiday visa I don't know which one you ended up doing Jenny uh, I have done the e uh, international experience Canada yeah, yeah, yeah the same one there same yeah one. seemed to be so, the easiest yeah, one to it's get. a good one I don't know though I mean I I applied, I had to do it twice. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I remember the first round, I was at, at my laptop waiting for the, you know, whatever submissions to open. Yeah. And within two minutes, all of the places had been filled, and I was absolutely gutted walking to work. Aww. Yeah. I thought they had to do it in batches. They have, like, so I don't know if it's changed either, because it was a few years ago now, but they have, like, certain days, right, mm -hmm. where you can enroll yeah. into the pool. Yeah. I mean, my advice there is, like, get the best Wi-Fi yeah. connection yeah. that you can how get long, to. Uh, how long did you have to wait till applying again? So it was, it's every few months. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I see what you mean. So I think it was, I had originally tried in, like, the March pool and then mm. ended up getting it in July or something like that. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Hot, yeah. Hot tip on that front. 
if you try and get it, time it so that you're starting, you're applying in the first batch for that year, like you're more chance to get it more quickly because the, they allow more people in the first round of the mm. year's cadence. Yeah. So that's what I did. That's what I did as well. Yeah. I like, I think it was like 2nd of January. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like apply. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we are in a country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So as this is actually like an episode that's going to focus a little bit on like both how you guys obviously like moved from Europe to Canada and like how that worked and but also like on focus of like your sales roles moving over here is there anything that you've experienced that being like a massive culture difference when it comes to like just in terms of let's say in work and everyday life like the way you interact with customers and like the way that people like prefer to be like spoken to or is there any like bigger culture differences like that at work that you can point out or that you've thought about yeah so um a bit of background when I was working in the role that I was in in London which was at a company called Thompson's Online Benefits I was doing a lot of prospecting into um, not only the UK but also continental Europe yeah so I I got a bit of um, exposure to like a a lot of different uh, countries which meant a lot of different selling styles sometimes I'd say like the biggest contrast between the states and and you know I guess a MIA as a group even though that's a big group and a bit of generalization is just in the US, I feel like there's a big kind of emphasis when you're selling put on just the kind of the story you can tell. And I think the way you position stories and, and kind of the way that you, I guess, speak the voice of the customer and all these things is is a lot more polished okay. in a way that or needs to be a lot more polished in contrast to Europe. I'm not saying that you don't need to tell stories in Europe and I'm not saying that you need to just kind of get on the phone and say whatever, yeah. but people are a lot more direct, I feel like, in Europe mm-hmm. and you can get you can kind of cut to the chase quite quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually people sometimes don't like all the fluff that you wrap around things because they think you're just kind of taking them too much on a, on a long path rather than just cutting to the chase. Yeah. Whereas in the US, I feel like you need to really build rapport a lot more deeply than you do in in Europe by, you know, whether it be touching upon, you know, things you have in common with that prospect or, you know, building rapport from states that they live in or whatever it may be. Mm. It's much more of an emphasis on that. And then also just the story you tell goes a lot further um, the more you put into it in the US. Whereas in in the US, I think it's much more, you know, here's what we have, here's what you need. Do they match? Do they not? Kind of thing. Interesting. That's really good, like, for me to know as well as I just recently started, like, that, because exactly what you're saying, like, I got to a point in my last role that, in EMEA, that I was like, okay, I I need to, like, make my first, like, the kind of report building as short as possible, because, mm-hmm. like, and, like, nail down the important things there, but, like, people don't want to hear that part. Like, yeah. it's just, like, get to the case, like, yeah, and yeah. you got good at that, versus now it could be, like, I need to, like, actually polish up, like, telling a longer story, like, yeah. you know, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I guess my, my two pennies on this would be more about uh, your point about communicating with your colleagues as well. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice of advice I was ever given was about a year after I moved to Toronto. And um, uh, I was speaking with a friend and she basically said that the way that you communicate in North America is you need to have like a positivity sandwich in the way that you talk. So generally start with something positive, say what you, what you mean, cut to the chase <laughs> if you will, and then finish it with a nice like positivity chaser. So... 
a perfect example is the reason she gave me this advice is I was moving house. So in my last role, everyone was like, oh, wow, you're moving house. Like, that must be exciting. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> I'm dreading it. Like, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah. It's like a weekend of moving everything. And I guess, like, looking back on it, like, that can actually come across as quite negative. Um, but it's just the way I'm used to communicating with yeah. your rose. Um, <laughs> So the the better advice is kind of to be like, oh, like I'm I'm really excited about moving. It's it's gonna be hard work though, but like roll on this time next month. Yeah. So you kind of up, bit of realness, <laughs> up again. Um, and it was it it really it really worked the charm. So positivity sandwiches. Okay. I would recommend. That's actually a good tip as well. I'm, I'm, I tend to be very, like, I'm the same as you there. Yeah. And I uh, especially think it's, this is something I had to learn in, like, in Ireland, for example, it's like, what's the story? Like, people ask yeah. that and it's like, oh, I want to tell you my story now. But they ask that as like, how are you? Yeah. And then it's like, and when I start learning English, I was literally like, how are you? And I wanted to stop every time and tell them how I was. But people is just like, no, that's a walk by. Like, yeah, how it's just, hello, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're so, right, you're that's right. A, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very interesting just like way of like saying it. Because like I would probably be very blunt and be like, yeah, like I don't enjoy this. Or something yeah. like that. And I yeah. would just like not fluff it up. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Um, one more example. How are you? I'm tired would be like my impulse if I'm tired. <laughs> but what I would say is like, oh, you know, like the week's just beginning. Like I'm, yeah. I'm pretty tired, uh, but I am like, I'm glad that we're spending time together. Yeah. So again, it's that kind of up, down, up thing. Okay. Anyway, I swear by it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I like that. That's a good tip. When it comes to like the specific like sales roles that you guys are in, have you like is that kind of roles that you've always seen yourself be in like do you see yourself growing within sales and what's like kind of your career aspirations uh, within the sales org yeah um so definitely want to move into a closing role um hopefully pretty soon um, i guess yeah my next step in the ambition is to move into an account executive position yeah. um it's really great being able to like prospect into these large enterprise companies, which I've been doing for quite a while. It's given me exposure to like some of the biggest and most complex businesses um, that America has to offer, but definitely excited to work potentially some smaller, um, more nimble companies um, end to end in the relationship building cycle. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And is it the same for you or is yeah. it like... Yeah, I'm interested in pursuing an account executive role as well. Um, I, in tech, have done both inbound and outbounds uh, sales and I think both have proven pretty valuable yeah. from an experience standpoint cool yeah. and do you feel like it would ever be a case like I know we're in a very modern tech company uh, such as Slack but have you ever felt like the especially when you're talking I'm assuming like what I'm asking is like have you ever felt when like from society or your friends or family or anything that is like oh like are you really in sales like are you like or like any form of a pre preconception of like a sales person yeah. you know what I mean have yeah. you ever had that experience <laughs> every day yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah do you have an example of like any story or 
Well, I feel like my family still don't know what I actually do for a living. I know that's like a lot of people's reality, but mm-hmm. people don't think of what we do as sales, I think, in the, in the outside of the tech bubble that yeah. we live in. I think they see it much more as transactional than what we actually do. Probably mm-hmm. they don't see the whole kind of consultative piece of it. Yeah. They see it as like you're selling something tangible yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a very kind of... I guess how they expect cold calling, call centers, telephone book type, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, historic yeah. views of what sales were. So I think that's probably what most people think of yeah. what I do. <laughs> yeah, I, to your point, I think the consultative thing is often the, the one aspect that people don't know as yeah. much about and that kind of strategy. And like usually the way I'll try and like flip that on its head is I'll start with like, as part of my role, I'll read a company's 10K report. And yeah. that tends to, like, get someone to be like, oh, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Don't just yeah, yeah, why you, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just, like, that cheaper. depth of research, yeah. I think, is usually a good way to adjust that um, yeah. expectation. But. That's cool. Yeah. yeah the, the other, one other big misconception I feel like my dad always and still maintains about what I do, um, and he, he kind of first aired this as soon as I got my first job in sales, is that he thinks I have a really unstable um, financial situation. Yeah. Um, like he just assumes it. that I'm like gambling my life every month. But yeah. I, don't, I don't hear my number, I'm like, I make no money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he even like sees sales as possibly having like base salary. I think he just sees it as like a commission role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that kind of misconception around just constant financial, um, you know, fluctuation and yeah. instability which is obviously not true so. I, uh, I 100% agree with what you both said like it's uh, the reason that me and my friend started uh, this whole like she sells too is because we were like I wouldn't even admit to my friends when I got home what I do it was kind of like yeah I work with marketing in like I work wow. with sales in a marketing <laughs> company and then it was just like it took me like three or four months and then I was like what am I doing like why am I saying that yeah. like it's so silly and then yeah. like I started just being like okay I need to flip this like 360 and be like completely like you know the other way around like no I work in sales like yeah. this is me uh and because like at the end of the day like I really enjoy what we do yeah so it's just like why would like by saying like I work in something else and I do I just I kind of like build more and more of this yeah. like oh yeah okay sales has to be like you just call 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 right, all day like right. to people selling something tangible as you said yeah. so it's interesting um mm. And do you feel like guys have the same situation? Like, uh, well, no, yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, like to some extent, sales as a whole is seen as like not a real job by a lot of people that don't know what sales is. Like, or like, they see it as like something that you, you people don't really historically think of sales as like. And maybe this is more of a woman thing too, but somewhere you build your career. I don't know. Mm. That's just the way yeah. I've... And, it and the perception goes definitely yeah. is that, like, when you think of a salesperson, I yeah. feel like the perception is that it's a man. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. But that's changing slowly but surely. Mm. Yeah. It's also, like, reflected in the environments that we always end up, often end up in. Yeah. I mean, I think we're quite lucky and, and grateful to work in the company that we work in where we are not... In a, in a very small minority but I know prior to working here I definitely felt like sales teams mostly looked like what a stereotypical salesman look like you know yeah one thing that always like bugged me as well is uh, the fit the actual I had no idea that this career line or this career path throughout university even though I studied business was 
a choice. It was almost like yeah. that's never pitched to you. Like, oh, yeah. there's a tech bubble out there, and you can work there, and like yeah. you will earn well, and they will treat you well, and you know, with all these perks and benefits. Like, yeah. it's kind of like it's it's not spoken of. Yeah. And I even went to like one of Sweden's biggest universities, and like no one ever mentioned this other world. So like that to me is like still a bit. I don't know. Do you recognize that, or did you yeah. know about tech before? starting to look for it yourselves no i think tech and sales like there definitely like needs to be a lot more work done on that being part of yeah like someone's undergraduate conversations mm-hmm. like prior to turning up to a recruiting center or just like hearing <laughs> from word of mouth yeah i think uh oftentimes tech is referenced as a career prospect for folks who are in technical roles. So yeah. you don't think of the relationship mm. side of a tech organisation. And I know that tech's now hot, whereas like when we were coming out of university, maybe it was still on the cusp of being like hot. Yeah. <laughs> but now even Warm so, <laughs> even so, I feel like people are like mostly thinking about tech. When they think of tech, they think of developer or engineer. They don't think of like salespeople. Yeah. Mm. Um. So if you're in politics at uni or English or, or like whatever it may be, or even yeah. business, it's not the thing that people necessarily default push you towards. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's true. What is like your absolute favorite thing about working in sales? If we're talking about the positives, uh, I don't know. It sounds cliche, but I, <laughs> I don't. Know. I do love working with people. Like yeah. I yeah. just, I, I live for the banter, and <laughs> and I also, you know, I one thing I love, you know, about this role in particular, is you have to know a lot about businesses and you have to know a little about a lot yeah and i love knowing a little about a lot like whether it's the telecoms industry like the car car industry whatever it is just being able to chime in on on a conversation about what's going on there yeah purely from the research you do in your day-to-day is i don't know i I love that it's cool yeah yeah i mean i'd i'd say for this role specifically uh, and I think this kind of is important to consider when you're thinking about what kind of te- like tech sales role you want to get into, because some roles are very like specific and niche and targeting one specific persona with like an item that really serves mm, their line yeah. of business. Whereas this is so, like you said, so broad across so many different types of, um, you know, industries and lines of business. I think that like the first thing is no, com- no two conversations are the same. <laughs> like I feel like the breadth of conversation you can have at Slack is really, you know, interesting to me. And, yeah. and as a result of like, needing to know a lot about a little about a lot of things like you said it's just like it is intellectually like demanding it's it's not like because I've had roles where I felt like I was kind of repeating the same pitch to the same person over mm. and over again yeah but this role means that I'm constantly learning about stuff that I never knew before which is just like more interesting for me yeah it makes you get a street smart yeah. <laughs> like you can actually talk to people exactly. out, like yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really cool I'm gonna flip that question back to you Jenny <laughs> I'm very the same, like, I'm very cliche, just like you there, uh, which makes it so funny, because, like, I just love chatting to people, and, like, having, like, a new person on the phone, and, like, when you have that, like, actual personal even connection with that person, like, from, like, minute one, you're like, we like each other, and then you just, like, it just builds a relationship from, like, you know, day one, and then you just, like, even, like, can look forward to chatting more and helping that person, like, reach their goals with whatever you do mm-hmm. which is like such a rewarding feeling as well mm-hmm. i mean i always love chatting to people like i'm not a very quiet person so it's always been that like part of like oh like i'm good at this like i'm good at talking to people mm-hmm. and then like that's exactly what we do all day but yeah. just like trying to figure them out so yeah i think that's it yeah cool nice. and 
I've had um, I've had a couple of colleagues previously that were women that that said that they've actually and this is like flipping it over again, but it was like they're they're describing and they've been in sales roles. They're describing that they've like sometimes they don't turn on like this soon because like they they mm-hmm. feel like they're not taken serious when they're like look like they're 25 and they're women mm-hmm. and they know that the guy on the or the man in the call is going to be like a 50 plus year old man have you ever like experienced anything like that where you're like okay maybe i should adjust what i do just to be taken serious for who you are yeah i've said to some some of my colleagues before like in this role you're like a young smart hard-working woman and when it comes to like volume dials dial up the hard-working and smart (laughs) 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 Uh, no offense to us um but I would say that when it comes to like knowing my audience like if like I will usually be like a lot more serious um and like straight down the line uh if i feel like that's required mm-hmm. of me on a zoom line yeah 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 there's been a, a few scenarios where i've well i've had actual people give me this like men yeah. ironically give me advice where like, they say you need to lower your your voice pitch just to be taken wow. seriously or like you know oh. whatever it may be in previous roles and then yeah and this even like you know recently in terms of just like speaking to prospects there's been occasions where we try to default to zoom on i feel like it's like as a a culture just Mm -hmm. because it helps build a human touch but Mm -hmm. i've had people you know say things to me even recently just like um you know we're all guys here so i think we get it like statements like that and i'm just like Okay. <laughs> great. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know exactly. if that qualifies. You, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, yeah. it's a thing that like persists, I feel like, but especially when we talk to technical roles yeah. that tend to be um, not, when companies aren't as diverse in terms of like their gender balance mm-hmm. in technical roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of like perception um, and kind of just like, I guess, bubble that reinforces their stereotypical, stereotypical views of women, yeah. uh, which then comes out in the way they speak to you. Yeah. Um, but I, I try not to like change my behavior yeah. in terms of like zoom and stuff yeah. because like I mean ultimately it's usually not most people aren't like that thankfully yeah, um, yeah that's true. but there are yeah but you can't you can't like if you don't persist in being you and again you gotta match the tone and reflect the person's um, demeanor of course yeah. but if yeah. you don't still maintain yourself um, yeah. in those situations then things will just never change yeah so true that's a good point yeah. Uh, yeah, like I've had a similar situation where it's like I had uh, it's it was an agency in Sweden and obviously not going to mention which, but it was like me and it was like five guys. It was just one like guy on the invite. And then all of a sudden it was like me in a full meeting room. And it was literally like they, they did not let me speak to finish like one sentence. It was like a 45 minute call and they were just like cutting me by like the ankles. So every question I was just like, okay, yeah, okay. And I knew that if I was like, 50 and man they wouldn't have done that to me but it was really like okay like let's do this to her like in a sense and it was just like the most awkward call i've ever been on it's awful yeah it's awful how like we don't have that luxury of just coming onto a call and instantly being perceived as credible yeah they're gravitas yeah Yeah. you have to be you have to work for credibility yeah you have to earn it exactly which is really annoying or like just yeah it shouldn't be like that so yeah definitely what would you say has been your highlight in your career so far 
<laughs> oh, but there's the so many. Went pointing at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. It's kind of it's not really one pinpointed thing. It's kind of a bunch of stuff together. But yeah. I guess moving is in many ways. Again, this kind of I think this is what prompted you to give me the positivity sandwich spiel when I <laughs> when I first joined when you first joined Slack because I uh, I was like oh you know moving was tough and I'd say that a lot to people yeah and they'd be like. Are you, you saying that I'm your highlight? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Meeting Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a great awesome. highlight. But yeah. um, I basically, like, moving was definitely very hard. Yeah. And I'd say that a lot. And I'd have to kind of spin it and be like, it was great, but it was hard, but it was great. And uh, and now I would say, like, definitely looking back and now that I'm settled in, like, a, few year, a couple of years in, I feel like it's been so t- good to have that exposure to a, a completely new market and yeah. not just like selling from the UK to North America, but being immersed in it because yeah. you get to, you get to not only like get good at that kind of like adaptability and, and you, you know, for a new audience, building rapport and all the things that make, um, you know, America a more challenged place to sell in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. You also get to immerse yourself in your North American like company. Like you get to kind of communicate with people from different places in the world. Like having our global sales offsite um, earlier this year, we got to have, you know, all of our salespeople from every single Slack office around the world come together. Yeah. Which is just a really nice moment and like it's cool to be something, a part of something so huge. Yeah. Um, and the just crazy array of conversations you have with all the different types of people from all the different places in the world. It's just so... That's um, really cool. Yeah. Interesting yeah. and entertaining. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I look forward to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. It'll be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm having a noodle about my highlight here. And I, <laughs> I think when I knew what I wanted to do and I worked really hard at it, yeah. there were two uh, highlights and it, and it paid off. Um, <laughs> nice. So one was, and, and just to preface this as well, like I don't think you have to know what you want to do forever either. Like I've changed multiple times. I think most people yeah. have. So just having that moment where you do know what you want to do, whether yeah. it's move country or move industry or move company, and then going after it and it paying off was huge. Um, first time was in publishing. The first time I got a publishing job was actually such a rush. It was incredible. I'd worked in bookstores, I'd done internships, I'd done courses, like there was a lot of work yeah. that went into that first sales role. Uh, and then the next pivot into Slack really was like a, a lot of, uh, work thought research and a huge win to to make it in yeah. land. so it's a massive win it's it already is. hard enough to get an interview at slack when you've come from tech yeah <laughs> let alone it like is. completely from a new industry well like in my personal just killing it <laughs> just killing it yeah for sure yeah. Oh, that's really cool to hear and uh how come like how how, how did you come across uh, slack well, I was at a startup in Toronto uh, 10 months into moving here mm-hmm. and um, was just really lucky enough to get contacted by the team who was starting the BDR team at Slack. So. Really? So yeah. they reached out to you? Yeah. That's, that's really cool. You're speaking to a cherry. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. I had a pretty, <laughs> pretty it's, yeah, it's amazing. Had, like, really relevant experience, I feel yeah. like, yeah. like, you know. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, that was really good timing. Yeah, yeah it was good timing, awesome. so I was excited for the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slack had been on the radar, like, ish, from word of mouth. Yeah. And then, just in general, like, researching, like, tech companies in Toronto as well, like, Slack came up and it looked amazing. So, what about you? Um, 
Mine is very calculated. I, <laughs> I literally, I was here uh, more than a year ago, shaking hands with people we've actually met. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it your, was your story is actually impressive. Remember yeah, 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 it's uh, it's like I, uh, I was just like, cause um, obviously I know uh, Ben Bicker's here, and so I he introduced us to like the pretty much the whole building. We were just walking around shaking hands, and I was like, <laughs> hi, like I have no idea what I'm doing, and then uh, went back to Ireland. Um, Worked for another year, but reached out to, um, no, actually the recruiter here uh, reached out to me uh, like four months before because Ben Bickers just walked over and spoke to him. And um, he was just like, so he reached out to me like, hi, I'm hearing you might move over. And then we were just in touch. And I think I like my interview process was like, like first touch to last was like three months <laughs> because three it was months just like like literally <laughs> nurturing like I was like okay like this is happening now and like yeah, yeah it was uh, it was a long story but uh, it was so worth it and like it's always like it's funny because like the old company I used to work for as well like they when I told people about Slack because we used that product every single day mm. and like all of them were like, okay, if it's one company I would switch for, it would be that one. Like, oh, it was yeah. literally like, it was so in high, like in such high regard mm-hmm. uh, because of like the size, the culture, like everything. Yeah. So it's not like this huge machine that is like got several thousands like of like employees, like yeah. tens of thousands. It's more like, it's still a small kind of like family-esque business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that really attracts a lot of people and mm-hmm. like a lot of really cool people. Definitely. Yeah. 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 But yeah, your no, your story is super impressive. You that like I feel like <laughs> to keep because the thing is, it's hard to keep uh, recruiters engaged sometimes when you know that there's going to be a big distance. It takes yeah. like actual dedication and persistence. So it was into uh, your yeah. skills, just <laughs> like nurturing. Exactly. Hello, hey, it's me again. Cool. Uh, I actually don't have many more questions. Do you want to add something, or are you you're completely fine? Uh, I'm just gonna keep putting you on the spot. I have a question <laughs> for you. Like Please how, do. How you know we've both been here for a few years, but you are a fresh move. Yeah. How has it been? For moving to Canada or company? Both. Um, I feel. It's it's been really good. Like I'm okay. I'm not. I'm gonna do the European one. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you and not be like it's been really good. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. were trying. Yeah, I was trying to give one It's uh, I would say it's been easier than I thought it was gonna be because okay. I thought it was like moving to Ireland. I had like no friends, no housing, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I knew no one. Uh, so. But then the Irish are so welcoming. They're so like we're in the same. I don't even though I thought the Nordics was very like different. It's not really. It's mm. like kind of and especially because I spent a lot of time in the UK and Scotland before. Like I could, I easily felt at home. Like it was just yeah. like oh yeah, like I know your accent or like I know the pop culture. Right, you know things right. like that. Pop so you kind of yeah. I feel like I felt more at home there fast. Yeah. Versus here, I'm like still a guest. Mm-hmm. But I'm enjoying my time as a guest, yeah. if that makes sense. That does make yeah. sense, yeah. So, like, I'm, I feel like here I go through, like, this is amazing to, like, little dips. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I go, like, this is amazing again. Versus, like, there it was more like, yeah, I'm in another country, but it feels like home. Yeah. And then it was like a kind of constant safety feeling. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and then work-wise, like... I was just so like, I was super stressed out when I got here because I was like, okay, like I'm in a new country, I quit my job and now I need to find a new job and we got rent to pay from like before I even moved like and things like that. So, and then when this came along, I was just like, like it was so good. Like it was just amazing to actually get it. And also I feel like 
we we do have a very good team here yeah. like everyone's very wel- welcoming and i'm just trying to adjust to certain things like these like little culture things that i'm still like i think i know them but i actually don't know right. them like <laughs> start positive go like reality yeah. go positive again like things like that like yeah. i think it takes years to actually learn those yeah. little tips and tricks yeah definitely uh it's like even things like bits and bobs like <laughs> and i was just like oh my god they don't say that here i've said that on calls already yeah. like yeah. i mean it's yeah. like Cute. yeah Oh, when you're queuing yeah. up or you're in the queue, it's the line up. Really? Yeah. yeah. You see? It's, it's like, like lots of subtle differences. Yeah, it is. To create a glossary. <laughs> we should. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of, like, I don't know, I guess it's a little bit, you've already done a couple of moves, so or I feel like it, um, maybe it's slightly different, but people, when you're moving like linear from the UK to uh, Canada, they think yeah. it's like a really easy move. Like yeah. a lot of people at home think yeah. it's like, oh, mm-hmm. there's no culture shock there. Like you're just going somewhere that speaks English and like, you know, it's a familiar sounding place. You, you think you know it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not until you kind of get here and you're like, oh, it's it's same, same, but different. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there though, because that's what I would argue is culture shock. Yeah. yeah. It's, the little things it's like the traffic lights being different yeah. or the street signs being on the other side of the road yeah. or like these like tiny little things that just feel like glitches yeah in your day-to-day yeah and they can pile up but yeah, yeah. i'm with you yeah it's a uh, it's the little things and also i think for me it's a big part is the time difference oh yeah um, where it's like if oh. i yeah i wake up and then i talk to my parents in the morning but mm-hmm. that like if I talk to my parents, that eliminates talking to a friend because I can't yeah. call them over lunch and when I get That's home, dark. they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's... What time? How's the time difference with Sweden and Canada? Six hours. Oh, okay, yeah. six hours. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. So it's kind of like, I think that's the biggest part for me because like in Ireland, I could also just like, if I had an like a night that I had mm-hmm. no plans, I could always just go for a walk and call my best friend yeah. for like two hours versus now it's like, oh no, she's sleeping. Yeah. Like it's 2 a.m., you know? You can call us now. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. true. It's a, it's that's a, really that's nice. a big adjustment, I think, because it, it's yeah. hard to, because I'm not really a texting kind of person. So I, I'm usually a phone call kind of gal. Yeah. So like not being not having that after work time to talk to people yeah. means that I just speak to my friends a lot less which is kind of like at first it was tough because I'm used to like yeah. with them every day and then you kind of go to like catching up for a longer period on the weekend exactly um, but yeah you have like one option after work quickly to catch up yeah on, and then that's it and it's like you have your time slot yeah and then it's just like okay done <laughs> yeah exactly. it's uh I think that's like my biggest yeah but then at the same time Canadians are so nice mm-hmm. and I even I could tell when I was on my onboarding and trainings in San Francisco, I was literally missing Toronto because I was like, this is not my kind of city. <laughs> uh-huh. And I didn't, I, like, it's beautiful, but it's yeah. just like I missed home and yeah. it was already here. Yeah. So yeah. it was really nice. nice. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for listening to our first ever She Sells 2 podcast episode. Four more episodes and what to come, visit our website, shesells2.co.uk today.